Welcome to Hashing Out the Law, Episode 21, Mental Disability and Criminal Defense. I'm your host, Arash Hashemi. This is the podcast where we discuss and hash out legal issues and our topics. Our guest this episode is Elizabeth Kelly, a criminal defense lawyer with a nationwide practice focused on representing people with mental disabilities. Her resume includes serving three terms on the board of the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. She has chaired its mental health as well as membership committee and is a life member. Most recently, she edited the book, Representing People with Mental Disabilities, a Criminal Defense Lawyer's Best Practices Manual. This book contains chapters devoted to a variety of issues confronted by people with mental disabilities in the criminal justice system such as competency, sanity, neuroscience, jail and prison conditions, and working with experts. All right, I have with me Elizabeth Kelly, who is a criminal defense attorney and practices nationwide. She's a co-chair of the National Center for Criminal Justice and um, Disabilities, uh, and, and she uh, wrote a book that hits home, actually. It's called representing people uh, with mental disabilities. And uh, it, it's basically a guidebook for criminal defense attorneys. How are you doing, Elizabeth? I'm fine. Thanks so much for inviting me, Arash. Uh, let me say the correct, uh, the correct title of your book. So it's, it's representing people with mental disabilities, a criminal defense lawyer's best practices manual. Um, and, it's available through the, and it's available through the ADA. Um, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you started um, your practice, specifically with representing people with mental disabilities, please. Certainly. And first of all, I'd like to clarify a bit. I did not write the book Representing People with Mental Disabilities. I edited it. And it is a book of 20 different chapters on a variety of different topics like competency, sanity, malingering, jail and prison conditions, neuroimaging, false confessions, etc. And chapters are written by law professors, judges, practicing criminal defense lawyers, and mental health experts. Thank you for that clarification, actually. I, I apologize. Um, oh, no worries. Not- no worries. Now, mental disabilities has, has come into to the limelight of criminal defense. It, it's always been there, but it's come to the limelight sure. recently, recently, especially in California. Um, Correct. Starting at the beginning of January, some new laws were passed. Um, and, and it, it's you know, everybody is trying to uh, catch up with the needs of the criminal justice system as far as mental disabilities goes. Uh, one of the, the, the interesting things that the city of Beverly Hills actually started is they have a nurse, a mental health nurse, uh, in one squad car that will accompany the police officers to, to scenes of, of, of crimes or, or, or distress calls and require mental illness diagnosis, which I find very fascinating myself. Yes, and more, um, and more and more jurisdictions are, are doing that. Depending upon the statistics you read, approximately half of the people in our jails and our prisons 
have some type of mental disability. And I should clarify that by the term mental disability, I mean mental illness like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, and I also mean intellectual slash developmental disabilities like autism spectrum disorders, what used to be called mental retardation, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Right. Uh, it, it's actually, it's, it's more prevalent than people know. Um, back when California had parole, uh, they abolished state parole and, and they made it into like county supervision, but that's a whole different story. I was on the panel that got repre- that, that got appointed to represent people whose parole was being revoked. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a right to counsel and I was one of those people. And I spend a lot of time inside of LA County Jail representing the parolees. And it, it was surprising to me how many people were in the justice system and they had mental illnesses. And what was even more surprising is these people never committed a crime. Uh, I'm sorry, they, they, nobody diagnosed them with a mental illness until they committed a crime. Um, and by then it was too late because they were already in the system. Yeah, that, that is, that is sadly correct. And that, there, there are a host of different reasons why, why there is a failure to diagnose and there is a failure to get treatment in our country. But one of the major reasons is the stigma attached to mental disabilities. And it works in a variety of different ways. For instance, people who may have mental illnesses Families of people who, uh, of someone who may have a mental illness are very sensitive to what other people might think, what other people might say about that diagnosis. No one wants to be known as quote unquote crazy or wacko or whatever your favorite pejorative term is. On the other hand, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, um, very often don't want to be labeled as being slow or dumb, and they have to go to elaborate lengths in order to appear normal and even put on a tough guy or a tough woman's front uh, in order to um, give themselves a suit of armor against the rest of the world. But nonetheless, people with mental illnesses and in particular, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, like autism spectrum disorder, are often bullied as children and even as adults. And that results in cases of anxiety and depression and even PTSD, making what is already a vulnerable situation even more vulnerable. That's actually pretty sad. and, and it's surprising to me because I thought the stigma that goes with mental illness, at least in, in this country and this society, has, has, has evaporated, for lack of better terms, than before, but it's still there. Um, do you think that we're, we're ahead of other countries as far as the stigmatism goes, or do we still have a lot more way to go? Well, I can't address the the specific issue of stigma, and I should say that that, that some people don't don't think that there is a stigma. Um, but but 
there are other countries that do a better job of treating people with with mental disabilities for instance in in many european countries if you have a mental illness uh you you go to an institution and you are treated and the term of either incarceration or punishment is much, much less than it is in the United States. And also, a couple of countries like Australia and the UK are very, very advanced when it comes to their research in the field of autism spectrum disorders. But still, throughout the world, uh, people with mental disabilities are marginalized in all aspects, and worldwide, we can be doing a better job. We should be doing a better job, and we certainly shouldn't be criminalizing people for manifesting the symptoms of their mental disability. I agree with you. I agree. Uh, I read somewhere that Richard Nixon was a big proponent of mental illness, and during his presidency, a lot of mental uh, mental hospitals were opened, and they were they were there for people with mental illnesses. And then later on, I believe it was during Reagan's term, um, when he was trying to fix the the, the country's uh, budget, a lot of these places closed down. And people uh, who had mental illnesses, if they were caught up in the justice system because they were acting out on their mental illness, would end up in jail or in prison rather than going to the mental hospital. Uh, what I read, is this true or, or are these facts inaccurate? Well, you're, cer you're certainly correct about the Reagan administration facilitating the, the, the closing of institutions and more importantly, other resources in the community, primarily by just not funding them. But the whole process of deinstitutionalization, transinstitutionalization, and failure to provide resources goes back even further, it goes back to, to the Kennedy administration. The last legislative act that JFK performed before he went to Dallas was to sign the legislation that basically would have shut down many of the mental institutions throughout this country. Now, generally speaking, that was tremendously needed because many, many of these institutions were, had horrible conditions. You had people who were institutionalized against their will and at the same time, medication was becoming more available and more effective. So the thought was that only the people with the most profound symptoms would be left in institutions, and the other people could be in the community living as fully productive lives as possible with a strong network of community-based resources, that all of the things that people need to be productive and law-abiding and healthy, like food, employment, transportation, housing, medication, etc., would be provided. 
unfortunately, that has not been the case for a variety of different reasons. And what we have seen is deinstitutionalization, that is to say, the emptying out of state institutions and instead transinstitutionalization, that is to say, people who should be or would have been in an institution spending time in jail or prison. Fact of the matter is, people at least with, with mental illness, if given appropriate access to medication and therapy and treatment and all of the other vitally important wraparound services, are not violent and can and or may not be violent and, and certainly can be productive. And certainly when it comes to people with intellectual and developmental uh, disabilities, they don't need to be institutionalized, but they do need uh, supportive housing and they do need proper resources within the community. Right. So JFK, when he signed, uh, signed that law into effect, had good intentions. However, in the long run, it seems like the proper um, framework needed for people to to adjust or to succeed didn't exist. Um, how do we how do we fix that? How do we, in your opinion, what do we need to do to to make uh, make it easier for people with mental illnesses to succeed in society rather than be uh, caught up in the justice system? Well, this is only a 15-minute long show, so that, that being said, I think, I think we can attack it on a few different fronts. First of all, let's, let's start at the very beginning. How to prevent people from being traumatized, how to prevent them from going from being damaged children to damaged adults. And this isn't rocket science. But if you live in a safe home, if you go to a relatively safe school, if you have enough to eat, if you have a warm house to sleep in, if you are in a community where people take care of you, then chances are you will you will you will at least have a fighting chance to to be a productive and a healthy adult. Um, so many of the people in our institutions today um, had just miserable, miserable childhoods. And in all honesty, that spans all portions of the economic spectrum. Secondly, if, if people do get in trouble, we should not be criminalizing them for manifesting the, the symptoms of their mental, mental illness. Uh, we do have more and more resources in the criminal justice system, like veterans treatment courts, like mental health courts, that are, are specifically geared for these types of, of offenders, but um, we don't have enough resources. We need to be doing a better job of educating all stakeholders in the criminal justice system, judges, probation officers, prosecutors, criminal defense lawyers, 
um, people people who who supervise jails and prisons as to to what the symptoms are and what what the proper treatment and disposition of of these cases are. We need we need more alternatives to divert people out of the criminal justice system. I agree with you. It seems like we we are heading in that direction, um, or at least um, hopefully I think we are. Uh, I, I see a lot more happening in, in the court system in California. That's where I am, and in in my county, LA, uh, a lot more attention is being given to the need of defendants with mental uh, mental disabilities. Do you think that the pendulum is swinging the other way across the nation? Not, not, not fast enough. Not fast enough. Every single day, you read horror stories of people, including in California, who are in jail and prison, who are being not treated or mistreated. They're not getting their medications. They're not in an appropriate facility. Worse yet, they are in solitary confinement, not just for a small period of time, but for weeks, months, sometimes even years. That is fundamentally wrong, and we as a civilized society should not be doing that. Right. I agree. There's there's stories of people that are, they get one hour of uh, outside time, they call it, and the rest, 23 hours a day there in, in, in one room by themselves, I think even if you don't have a mental illness, after a while you will develop one if you're in, for the, in that oh, situation. Oh, you, absol- you are absolutely right about that. Now, one thing I, I you, you mentioned and I remember is people not getting their medication. So you have a lot of people who, who've been diagnosed prior to coming to jail. Something happens, whether it's because of their mental illness or, or something else. They go to jail, and now they can't get their medication. They have to go through this bureaucracy of being seen by a jail doctor because the outside doctor's diagnosis doesn't count or whatever the politics are. Uh-huh. And by the, by the time they, they do get their meds, if they get their meds, they've already relapsed. Um how do we fix that? I, I know we talked about these institutions need to be educated and stuff, but how do we cut through the red tape? Well, a lot of those people who who have some type of mental disability should not be in jail to begin with, particularly um, if they're in a jurisdiction where the bond the bond is set unreasonably high disproportionately high to to the charges. We we hear every so often of someone who who is in jail with a mental illness. They are unable to post bond. Maybe their family doesn't know that's where they are and they would be perfectly willing to post the bond but but they don't know about it. Um, and more and more jails are trying to have special mental health treatment wings but again if you have a if if you have a serious mental illness you shouldn't be in jail to begin with now granted some of them are are charged with serious crimes and they don't have any right. place to go and there is there is a serious concern about community safety but 
that's not always the case. I agree. I agree with you. Now, uh, this book that you edited, Representing People with Mental Disabilities, uh, do you think that every criminal defense attorney should get this book and read through it? If they're going to have... <laughs> No, I, I, I'm not just doing that. If I that said yes, that would I, be a very self-serving statement. I know. While I was saying it, I was like, oh, this is such a big plug. But I honestly, as, as a criminal defense attorney, I'm not trying to plug it. But I'm saying, in your opinion, you edited it, so you saw what other people wrote. Do you think that this book is, is, is a must-read if someone is considering uh, representing people with mental illness or if they – currently have a client and then they find out that this client has a mental illness, is this something that will help them or, or it, do you think this is. is for more I, advanced this, people? This, this, no, no, not more advanced people. This specifically is, is targeted for a criminal defense lawyers in non-capital cases. And the reason why I did that was there are already loads of resources for capital defenders and that the population of capital defenders is already pretty clued in to to the importance of mental disabilities and the importance of securing the appropriate uh, experts and having evaluations and such. Rather, this book is the book that I wish I would have had when I started practicing. And it is meant for the new attorney or for the attorney who's been around the block a few times but maybe doesn't know a lot about about mental disabilities. It is meant to be easy reading, not a lot of footnotes. Uh, if you want to delve deeper into a subject matter, there is a suggested work section at the back. All of my authors have given their website as well as their email addresses if any readers want to contact them. Um, so, for instance, if you are a new attorney and you are assigned a case and you read a confession that your client with a learning disability gave, and you think that it might have been a coerced or false confession, you would want to read the chapter in the book by Richard Leo and Deborah Davis um, about, and, and Bill LaFollette about what is a false confession and how to challenge a false confession. If you get a call from the judge's bailiff and you have just been assigned an a client and the bailiff also says that at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon the client has a forced medication hearing and you don't even know what a forced medication hearing is, this book has a chapter on that and you will find out what cases you need to read, um, who you might need to call as as witness as experts, any research and any background preparation that you need to engage in before that hearing. It explains a host of different um, different aspects of the criminal justice system as it impacts people with mental disabilities. That's awesome. We're going to make sure that we have a, a link to to the book. Uh, on the 
on on this particular episode on on our uh, uh, on the section that that goes with this episode, so people can actually get Thank it you. on all the posts regarding this episode. And I'm actually going to purchase the book and add it to our library. It's it's a great book. Oh, thank um, you. My pleasure. And thank you for for making this book available. It's it's, it's sort of like a, a a bible for mental illness, uh, or at least the Old Testament where you start. <laughs> for lack of a, <laughs> a better analogy. Um, and and, I and if bit, I if I may, uh, if to to continue the metaphor. The, the, the New Testament will be coming out in the coming months. That is to say, I am in the process of editing a similar book titled Representing People with Autism Spectrum Disorder, colon, A Practical Guide for Criminal Defense Lawyers. Awesome. And when is that coming out? I'm hoping by the end of 2019. Okay. And now when that comes out... Uh... I would love to have you back on so we can talk about that book and, and that specific field. Um, I would enjoy thank that. You for, well, thank you for, for for talking to us about, about this book uh, and, and this this subject. I think it's, it's a subject that a lot of people who are not in the justice system don't know about, um, and it's a subject that needs great attention. Unfortunately, like we said, there's lots of people in the justice system with mental illness that shouldn't be in the justice system, and hopefully society can uh, fix that. I know, like you yeah. said, it's, it's trying to, but it's not fast enough. Yeah. All right. It well, thank a, you so much. Was, thank you. It was a pleasure. You have a great day. You as well. Bye-bye.